Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress, Channel 127. I'm John Fiegel saying welcome to the never-ending love fest that is Tell Me Everything. We are coming at you live and interactive, coast to coast. Hello, everyone in California, Oregon. Hello, everyone in Washington State and Arizona. Greetings to Texas and Missouri and Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana. Hello, Montana, Florida, the Carolinas. We're sending you love, and we are with you with a very special show tonight. You know, the midterms are done, as you know, and it's like, oh, I guess we better start booking more cool celebrities on the show, and we've been doing it. So um, we got some good names coming up on the program. Next week, we'll be sitting down with Christoph Waltz two-time Academy Award winner, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. Uh, yeah, she, she, she uh, turns out, uh, wanted to come talk. And on Monday night, you can hear our conversation with Natasha Leone and the great Ryan Johnson, who decided to follow up getting his Oscar nomination for <laughs> Glass Onion by putting on a brand new hit series, uh, Poker Face on NBC Peacock. It's a really fun show. We sat down with both of them. It's a great conversation. And tonight, tonight, you get Mr. Max Burns, Democratic strategist and journalist, <laughs> Also, Timothy B. Schmidt of the Eagles will be joining us in a conversation I taped last week in Hollywood. He's about to go on tour with the Eagles. He has a gorgeous solo album, and we talk about everything, including Poco, and he's played with everybody in the world. There's a lot of stories about everyone from Crosby, Stills, and Nash to Ringo. It's great. Later in the show, the iconic, the one and only Tony Award winning, and a guy who has so many Emmy and Golden Globe nominations for The Good Wife. Alan Cumming. Now, he has an NBC reality show he stars on, and he's flamboyantly evil on, and it's quite fun. But he just returned his um, his OBE, his, his Order of the British Empire Award, to Buckingham Palace in protest for the colonialist history of the British Empire. And, he, I mean, he just did it this week. So when he walked into the studio the other day to meet me, uh, it was 
tearing up the British press. Pierce, Piers Morgan was losing his hair over it. So it made for a very interesting conversation. We talk about everything from colonizing indigenous lands to Stanley Kubrick to um, foreskin. It's it's a pretty dramatically varied talk. I hope you'll like it. Chris Hauselt is our executive producer. He is running this thing down in South Carolina. The mighty Thea Harper is running this thing. Uh, you can talk to her if you call in at 866-997-4748. If you are inappropriate with Miss Harper in any way, if you hit on her, if you don't think you're hitting on her because you think you're so subtle how you hit on her, I'm going to put a hurt on you. Okay? I'm going to. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give your phone number to Chris Hauselt, and then I'm going to give Chris Hauselt all the drugs he needs and turn them loose on you. We run a tight ship here. Thank you for playing along. Eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. I'm I'm telling you this. You know who you are. You know who you are. You, 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 very nice guy who doesn't really know how to treat people with respect all the time. You know who you are. So call us, please. We're looking forward to hearing from you. 866-997-GRID. We got a Chinese spy balloon to talk about. The most important thing that's ever happened. Because there's never been espionage before. And, and no, one's, no one's watching America. America watches other countries in the sky. No one watches us. There's satellites that can kill you, but we're scared of a parade float. Uh, the Ilhan Omar vote fallout. And remember, guys, as I begin the show, it's it, it, just uh, remember this um, in the days and weeks to come. Just know in the back of your head, the first American president to have a neck tattoo has probably already been born. Think about that. Let's do a show. The U.S. added 517,000 jobs last night, bringing the unemployment rate to 3.4%. The lowest since 1969. Tune into Hannity to find out why this is bad. People said the, the Fed's interest rate hikes were going to slow down the labor market. It appears to not be the case. I want to play you President Joe Biden having a very good day, commenting... On an insanely overachieving jobs report, adding 517,000 jobs in January alone. I want to say a few words about how I think is strikingly good news that we just received. Next week, I'll be reporting on the State of the Union. But today, today, I'm happy to report that the State of the Union and the state of our economy is strong. We learned this morning that the economy has created 517,000 jobs just last month, more than half a million jobs in just the month of January. In addition, we also learned that we, there are half a million more jobs created last year than we thought. So the January report is updated. I mean, excuse me, the December report is updated. Add that all up, it means we've created 12 million, 12 million jobs since I took office. That means we have created more jobs in two years than any presidential term, than any time in two years. That's the strongest two years of job growth in history by a long shot. And he did it. He did it at the tail end of a plague amid a semi-recession with the most divided Congress we can imagine. And with so little support, and it's remarkable that it's gone this well, but it shows what happens when you make it as a general policy to make the rich richer, when that's the way you do government, to give more money back to the wealthy, just for being themselves, to give massive tax cuts to people who don't need massive tax cuts. Those people invest that money and uh, they get richer off of it. And we know for a fact the only jobs they create tend to be in China. 
But when you give that money to struggling Americans, when you give a help, a hand up to, to poor Americans, to working people, they spend it. And if we're lucky, they spend it in their local community, not in a Walmart. They spend it on local businesses. And that stimulates local economies. When you actually spend money from the bottom up, you'll see results. And the money will eventually wind up in the rich guy's pocket. But along the way, you might do what this administration did, have the lowest childhood poverty rate in history in the year 2021. Not in 2022. They did it through COVID spending. And they brought about the lowest childhood poverty in history with the child tax credit. We could do it again if we wanted. The unemployment rate hit an ultra-low 3.4%. I mean, they thought the jobs growth would decelerate, but it surged ahead. Half a million jobs in January alone. American workers, outside of a, a few sectors, are experiencing some of the most insane opportunities for employment and generation, even as inflation has been coming down. 3.4% unemployment rate. Axio says to find a watermark lower than that, you'd have to go all the way back to 1953. Here, reporters ask Joe Biden if he takes the blame for America's inflation. Take any blame for inflation, Mr. President? Take any blame for inflation? No. Why not? Because it was already there when I got here, man. Remember what the economy was like when I got here? Jobs were hemorrhaging. Inflation was rising. We weren't manufacturing a damn thing here. We were in real economic difficulty. That's why I don't. This is why I keep having the vote Democrat. I'd love to go vote a really green third party. I'd love to vote somewhere more progressive. I'd love to do someone who takes what Joe Biden has shown works and then fights to really do it. But the fact is, my whole life, this is what I've seen. Republicans give money away to the wealthy and tank the economy. Democrats come spend money on the non-wealthy and save the economy time and time again. So it was very interesting to me to take a look at the new poll in premise polls. It's their biweekly political sentiment tracker. And I wanted to read this because I'm biweekly political sentiment curious. Uh, turns out they talk to a lot of Democrats and a lot of Republicans at premise. We've had the guy who runs premise polls on the show before. Democrats are split 50-50 on whether or not Joe Biden should seek re-election in 2024. They don't know what they're going to do. Uh, by the way, they, who's the second choice? Kamala Harris with 33%. Democrats think she's the best option, but 67% choose another candidate. So they, they, they don't know who they want it to be. But it's 50-50 over this president. And look, I get it. Joe Biden wasn't my first choice. Chances are he wasn't your first choice. But I've had it with the ageism. And I've said this before, but come on, man. I've had it. I'm tired of defending Joe Biden from ageism. I, I, I do it all day. And folks, I need a nap. Okay? I, I understand I, why you're scared. You don't want to vote for him. You want someone younger to run. But guys, think about what you're saying here. Okay? Ageism is the one acceptableism. It's the one ism I will say both sides are guilty of. Because liberals do it. They do. Liberals were ageist to Bob Dole and John McCain. It might have been funny, but it still wasn't right. It's the acceptableism. And, and again, so he's 80. I get it. You're scared of having an 80-year-old president. But can I remind you, Paul McCartney is 80. Martin Scorsese and Harrison Ford are... Carol King is 80. And I would vote for any one of those people to be my president. Mel Brooks is 95, folks. He can kick all our asses. Mel Brooks did this show. He's got a grip. Look, I, I've said this before, but I don't mind a president who takes naps if we get results. I don't mind a president who takes naps if the middle class is recovering and doing better. 
Has Joe Biden gone far enough? Have the Democrats gone far enough? No. Has Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin guaranteed they can't go far enough? Yes. But I still want to see him fighting even more. You know, I, I, look, I grew up with many Joe Bidens. You probably did, too. If you're older than me, uh, you, you probably knew a lot of Joe Bidens. I, I, I remember the anti-apartheid Joe Biden in the, in the 80s. The Joe Biden who went after George Shultz for the Reagan administration coddling apartheid. He was cool. But the, then the, I, I didn't really like the Joe Biden at the Anita Hill hearings. Not not a fan. I mean, he got her to testify and he voted against Clarence Thomas. But, but you know, it, it was a little pompous for my taste. I didn't like the Joe Biden who was sponsoring the crime bill under Bill Clinton. I really didn't like the Joe Biden who voted for the Iraq war. I, I like the Joe Biden who came out in favor of marriage equality before Barack Obama did as vice president. But old Joe... I'm not a Democrat, but old Joe Biden has so far been my favorite version of this guy. I like old Joe Biden better than those previous versions. Now, what what, what do you want to say? He's pandering. It's not really who he is. Look, there's different kinds of old white guys. Trump is proud to not evolve. Joe Biden campaigns on how much he's evolved. And if his campaign is smart, they'll talk about that, that he's proof that there are white people and older white people who can, over time, learn and grow. It's actually a great thing to run on. And old Joe, I'll take him, putting a black woman on the Supreme Court, trying to cancel federal student loan debt, decriminalizing weed at the federal level, I'll take it all over all the Joe Bidens I grew up with. You know why? You know why? Because old Joe gets shit done, people. He do, he do. Infrastructure bill is literally good for everybody in this country. The CHIPS Act is bringing back electronic manufacturing to our country. The PACT Act for the veterans. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act is the greatest spending we've ever had in this country to fight climate change. The American Rescue Act saved lives and helped bring us the lowest childhood poverty in history. Old Joe Biden gets a lot done in a day. Guy's like a lesbian Scientologist. It's almost like a president can get a lot of things done when he's of a certain age where he's not thinking about a mistress and not wondering about his next job. Now, Biden's approval ratings are still crappy. They're in the mid-30s in the in the premise poll. Um, and more than half of the people, 53%, rate the economy as poor. And I get it. I mean, wages are up, half a million new jobs in January, a casual 12.1 million jobs added in just two years, 5 million jobs last year, and the lowest unemployment rate since the moon landing. Have we gone far enough? No, of course we haven't. This administration needs to do a lot more. But the fact is, they've gotten so much done that in spite of these poor approval numbers in the same poll that shows that half the Democrats don't want Biden to run, Biden holds a 52 to 48 percent lead among registered voters in a potential 2024 matchup with the former host of uh, Celebrity Apprentice on NBC, Donald Trump, because they're both running, folks. They're Joe Biden's really running and Donald Trump is really running. And now here's what surprised me most about this poll. And then I want to get to your calls. In looking at the polls here, this is the new premise poll. Again, their biweekly thing. They polled all of these Republicans. Okay. And it turns out that Donald Trump's lead over Ron DeSantis has grown a lot. And this is Ron DeSantis who became governor after he agreed to become Donald Trump's Horcrux. Remember? In a potential matchup for the 2024 Republican primary, polling Republicans, Trump 59%. Only 24% supporting DeSantis. Yeah. Ted Cruz came in at 2%. So he's still having his ass kicked by margin of error. But again, Trump and DeSantis, they're both running. And Ron DeSantis has been punching down on marginalized people nonstop. And you know why he does it? 
because there's a certain kind of white Christian that responds really well to politicians who are the rank opposite of Christ. Ron DeSantis has been following the Trump playbook. Punch down. Go after marginalized groups. Never complain about actual racism. Complain about the people trying to protest it. Complain about the people trying to teach about it. But Ron DeSantis added something very crucial to the Trump playbook. Beat up on trans children. And that's what he's done. Remember, Ron DeSantis, folks, he has protected the people of Florida and their families from transgender children who want to play sports. That's right. And when Ron DeSantis is president, he'll protect all, all of America from transgender children who want to play sports. I was in Florida last week at a dog groomer, Ron, and Ron DeSantis ran in and screamed, You're all groomers! But DeSantis built his whole career pretending to be Trump. And there's the irony. Because now Trump's trying to resuscitate his career by pretending to be DeSantis. Donald Trump is going after transgender children in a way he never dared the four ugly years of his presidency. He never mentioned trans children once. He's copying the guy who's copying him. <laughs> and think about this. It's Trump and DeSantis. I mean, they're going to hate each other and tear each other apart. But they still agree on virtually everything. They, they have the same agenda. They're just both selfish, immature, puerile men who want power, so they'll attack each other. But they agree on cutting taxes for the wealthy who don't need tax cuts and building record deficits. They agree on cutting services for the needy. They agree on making it easier for polluters. And they agree on announcing they're Christian while legislating against everything Jesus taught. And that's the last bit of irony. Because whether it's Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump, 82-year-old Joe Biden is going to be going up against 95-year-old Herbert Hoover economics. So remember that. Ideologically, Biden's still the young guy. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is SiriusXM Progress. I'm John Fugel saying we are at 866-997-GRID. I hope you're keeping warm. Earlier today in New York, the wind chill made it feel like just 10 degrees. It's going to go down to a wind chill of minus 13 tonight. We've already seen on Mount Washington in New England a, a nearly record-setting minus 100 degrees. So it's not the right weekend to go skiing that way. We, I'm so pleased to welcome the great Max Burns back to our show. I'm always pleased when I can have Max, especially when I can end a week with him. He's a Public Relations Society of America award-winning Democratic strategist and a political columnist who's guided a lot of companies and uh, politicians as well. You may have seen him uh, stuff in the Daily Beast, News Nation, or NBC News. Max, welcome back. It's good to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. 
Uh, there's so much that we have to get to. Obviously, the most important thing that's ever happened is it turns out that the Chinese are spying on us. I'm glad we don't do that to them. Um, it, it is a bit amazing. The media has a picture of the balloon now. And so I think this is going to be the only news story we'll see. Uh, the jobs numbers, I thought, would have been bigger news. But there's a balloon in the sky. So there, there it is. It does kind of show you the the weak spot for Democrats is that you you come out with data that shows most people employed ever uh, seven straight months that inflation has gone down. And yet even I have a little bit of balloon madness like I'm, I'm fascinated by it and more so by this response people have had as if uh, they're learning for the first time that we are surveilled. This is, yes, if anything, a method we've been using since World War Two. There are, are countless other ways that not just China, but, you know, our own government are surveilling us every day. So it, it does seem the, the level of overreaction here, I think, is, uh, is such a distraction for the White House. And they've not really been able to get past it. No. Well, I mean, I guess Blinken canceling his trip. But obviously, everyone in the White House knows we're spying on them. They're spying on us. And to see all these politicians, including... Uh, <laughs> presidential candidate Nikki Haley attacking Joe Biden for not shooting it down when we know damn well if he did that uh, China would shoot ours down and then they'd be attacking Joe Biden for not retaliating there fast enough it seems like I don't know Max maybe maybe there are diplomatic forces at work here who can resolve this without violence maybe I don't know if that's too wacky at a concept it is kind of shocking for Republicans, I think, to remember that there is a State Department and the Joint Chiefs of Staff and a process for handling national security issues. This was the, the Joint Chiefs said, don't shoot it down for various reasons, mainly that we don't necessarily want to get in a back and forth with China over who can shoot what down. Exactly. Because, as you mentioned, we have quite a few things of our own that we don't necessarily want to be shot out of the sky and this, you know, though sort of very provocative and visible, the fact that it's so visible is, I think, part of the reason that the Joint Chiefs are are taking a step back. Because if if it's one of the least effective ways to spy and they're not gathering any information that they couldn't gather through other less exactly. visible means. So in many ways, I think it's being viewed as a test or, or sounding out how our systems respond after mm. the years of Trump sort of calling foreign policy on a whim. And, yes. and the response has been right so far. I mean, anything that keeps us out of a war, I think, is a success. And and these things appeared in the sky when Donald Trump was president. It's just what concerns me is why, why is it being leaked now? I mean, these things are up there. We've heard from so many military officials that they've spotted these before, including during Trump's tenure in the White House. But um <laughs> To me, what concerns me is not that it's there. It's why they're letting us know it's there. Why is the Pentagon talking about it now? I can see, however, on a political level, this story gives politicians cover from a lot of different things. And um, I'd like to ask you about something that maybe the Democrats are uh, not wanting to be talked about too much today, Max, that maybe is something that is um, a bit of a blessing for the Democrats if we can talk about a balloon instead. And that is, of course, um, once again, the... Democratic National Committee Resolutions Panel refused yesterday to even allow a vote on a proposal to ban dark money in the party's primaries, um, despite the fact that a lot of DNC members and a lot of liberals really think it's a very essential idea. This got very little coverage, Max, and I, I think a lot of people are confused as to what's going on in the Democratic Party. Yeah, I'm wondering that myself. I mean, you 
you've got to applaud in a sense the the level of strategy we will put into something like this and not into countering Republican misinformation, you know, by not even allowing a vote on whether to ban dark money, you've essentially protected a lot of DNC members from having to vote against it. And that's not exactly the message I think the party should be sending. Like, I've, I've always said you can't expect the American people to treat something as a crisis if they see their leaders acting like everything is fine. And that's the same here. Democrats can't come out and talk about the corrosive influence of money in politics if they're then going to vote to open the doors for billionaires and corporations to cash their checks through the DNC. Yeah. It just you can't expect people to take seriously that we want to regulate the very people we're hitting up for cash. That's it. That's it. I mean, we have to be part of the system in order to reform the system. That's the argument we're getting. Yeah. And the frustrating thing is, like, these are the same Democrats who say that we want to do campaign finance reform in Congress. We can't even get a vote on campaign finance reform in our own party right now. Yeah. So this and and what happens now is the same sad thing that always happens, which is that these corporate financed establishment candidates will drown out grassroots progressives. And then, as we saw last cycle That's in it. 22, those establishment candidates will then lose winnable races and will wonder why nothing in Congress has changed. And the dirty money will make it increasingly hard for any kind of progressives in any kind of primaries to get there. I mean, I, I accept that the deck has been stacked since the founding fathers thought that only white landowning males should be allowed to vote. And this is the same push and pull we've had between greed and decency in the entire country's entire history. But this is why a lot of liberal people will never give money to the DNC. Don't you think? I mean, this is this is exactly everything that our progressives complained about with the Democrats and money. No, I, mean, I think they that's, won't even, that's they won't exactly even ban it in their own party. They're making it impossible for progressives to come out and talk about dark money because then they're opened up to charges of hypocrisy because the party wouldn't even allow a vote. No, it's absolutely right. And and the fact is, you know, we see the results of this today, this announcement that Joe Biden is exploring opening up Alaska for oil production uh, is is courtesy of the investment of ConocoPhillips and other dark money oil companies in people like Joe Manchin, Kirsten Sinema, uh, Henry Cuellar. And yes. these are the people who are instructing the DNC to not let this vote happen. And it, it only hurts us because voters can see it and progressive activists can see it. And and the DNC, the same day it does this, has the gall to ask why there's an enthusiasm gap on the left. And I, this is a great example of why. Yeah. I mean, it just it it just makes you wonder, like, how can anything ever get done? I'm thrilled about the good jobs numbers. We open the show talking about the good jobs numbers. And then there's this stuff once again. And we just wonder, this is why it's so hard to get any kind of real change done. This is why we're in the era of moderate improvement that we hail as sweeping reform. Yeah, it's very it's deeply disappointing. And I think we've seen a lot of this is is uh, you see candidates that are progressives who have very clear positions that are in line with the public. The majority of Americans want campaign finance reform. The majority of Americans realize that letting unlimited amounts of corporate money influence politics creates a government that cares more about how well corporations are doing than people. Yes, and sir. to have our own party, 
the Democratic Party fighting itself in this sense uh, is is inexplicable. And I it, I don't know what message that sends to younger people, except that don't bother trying to engage with the DNC. You can even become a member of the DNC and you still won't be able to get anything done. Amen. And it's pretty abysmal. Um, again, this is why we criticize the DNC for not being transparent and for not being democratic. I mean, <laughs> they make all the choices and, you know, the, and I'm not a Democrat. I've never belonged to the party. And this is one of the reasons why. I just don't think it's fair to people who give their vote and even more so their volunteer hours and physical effort to then realize that they have no say within the party after it's their labors to get the party into power. And I just wish, like, for, for for those who feel I may be beating up on the DNC too much, you know, Bernie Sanders released a statement about this and said, you know, without naming any names or calling anybody out, that we need to pursue campaign finance. But you know, all of these individuals on the left, AOC, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, have not so far introduced a single piece of legislation to address it. So it's it's just the, the sense of inaction is just as strong, I think, on the left of why these strong voices haven't translated into strong action. And that certainly mm. frustrates me. I know it frustrates a lot of voters as well. Let me shift, if I could, Max, over to Twitter. Um, you wrote a dynamite piece right before the holidays where you were talking all about Elon and uh, how dangerous he was making things for all of his businesses. You have now followed this up with your uh, substack, The Third Degree, with a new piece as Twitter's legal woes mount. It's Elon versus everyone. You actually got me excited to read a sequel to an op-ed. Um, Elon has done a pretty good job of making his name fade away from the headlines a little bit in the last two weeks. How are things going over there? So if if the ripples on the surface have sort of calmed, it's just because I think there's more of a fury under the water. And that's because we're starting to see now those lawsuits that we talked about in December uh, that were then yeah. just possibilities are now becoming realities, especially in Germany. Uh, there's a coalition of organizations led by hate aid uh, a group mm -hmm. that, that looks at hate speech and hate groups that has sued in German court where it is a crime, a rather serious crime, to engage in Holocaust denial, to post Nazi imagery domestically in Germany, and has essentially argued that Twitter is not enforcing its own terms of service, that it's cited numerous examples of neo-Nazi content, anti-Semitic Holocaust denial content that was reported uh, that Twitter said they would take down and never did. And now uh, we're finding Twitter doesn't have a real good response for why it didn't, because there's no trust and safety team anymore. There's no European content policy team anymore. And it's it's unclear even if they have the infrastructure to mm -hmm. enforce their terms of service. And that, you know, is stands to cost them a lot of money in German court because they are uh, that's a quick way to rack up huge fines. That's a reason Facebook changed its whole policy to get more aggressive on neo-Nazi content. But Twitter, you know, is either unwilling or unable or potentially both. I don't understand Elon anymore. And I, I, I and I have no addicts. I know sociopaths. I don't understand from a business level. First off, how how does alienating every liberal in the world help you sell Teslas? But more than this, you're under this scrutiny from the European Union. And so you decide to let Nazis like Nick Fuentes or Andrew Anglin back onto the platform. 
I mean, he's literally saying welcome home to Nazis. And we've read many, many studies showing the sharp increase in both racist uh, talk on the site and anti-Semitic rhetoric on the site. And yet he seems to still think this is a good thing and that he's winning somehow. Yeah, it's huge increases, too. Uh, but one of the things cited in this case was that pro-Nazi content surged 61 percent in just the first two weeks Ugh. after Musk took over. And it has continued to grow since then. And all of this is having a really visible effect on the company. I mean, last month, December, advertising spend fell over 70 percent. Uh, it dropped the company's revenue by 35 percent for the last quarter. Most companies that see that, there are red flags going up all over. That's a situation where your board of directors calls in your CEO and fires them. But in this hmm. case, Elon Musk is the board of directors. There's no one to stop That's him it. from doing what he's doing. And and it's starting to concern the advertisers certainly have, have not come back. And now he's planned this uh, decision to charge developers for access to the API so all those fun yeah. bots on Twitter that that post funny content or like history post of the day stuff uh, are going to be priced out. So even more of these people are going to leave the platform and it becomes less and less culturally relevant. You stop yeah. going to Twitter for, you know, the latest news for the latest takes on things because you find that it's just becoming more and more an ecosystem of the far right. It and has. I mean, it has. Great How many them, prominent, but... Yeah, so many prominent progressives have left the site. The verified column used to be where you, you know, hear things from political figures, heads of state, journalists, activists, celebrities. Now it's all right wing guys who hide their name and face and give a billionaire eight dollars. Like literally, it's the opposite of being verified. And I, I don't see how it helps the business model driving away these people like he's driving them away from buying Tesla's. What, what has it been like for advertising revenue at Twitter since Elon took over? Well, it's fallen every single month since Musk took over. I mean, first, because you could just pay eight dollars and impersonate any company you wanted, which personally, I've thought was hilarious uh, when they impersonated Pfizer and said insulin was free and gave the CEO's phone number and told people to call him. That was performance art, but it's no way to run a business because those companies aren't coming back. And now that we're seeing, you know, that there is there is essentially no law on Twitter and companies yeah. that advertise like consistency, they like to know what they're going to get. And they're seeing mm -hmm. Musk rewriting Twitter's policies to justify vendettas against people he doesn't like. Some news came out in the Times just recently that Ella Irwin, who was his last remaining member of the trust and safety team, she's now the yes. lead there. Uh, he's empowered her to violate Twitter's terms of service in order to ban people, in order to promote some people's content and, and silence others. So essentially, all the things that the Republicans argued Jack Dorsey was doing to them, Elon Musk yep. is now actually doing. Yeah. And it's it's creating an environment where really only the diehard far right people are spending time there. And the fact is, they don't spend a lot of money and they don't click a lot of ads. That's right. And of course, the layoffs continue. I mean, so many people fired. And if you believe all the stories, so many offices where they're not even paying rent anymore. Oh, yeah, that's that's another fun one. Uh, this is now he's now getting eviction notices for various Twitter offices in Los Angeles, in New York, in Europe, 
because he followed that Donald Trump approach of don't pay your bills and then negotiate with your vendors to get a reduced rate. Problem is he's negotiating with multinational real estate management companies. They're not rinky-dink independent contractors. They have, in this case, many more lawyers than Twitter does, and they're not going to take 50 cents on the dollar in rent. So we've gone from no more work from home for anybody or you'll be fired to please only work from home because we're all about to be locked out of our offices. Uh, and that is is great for uh, for the investability of the company. We've, we've even seen now banks that have invested uh, just writing off huge chunks of their investment as, as total financial losses, which, you know, if only someone had warned them. Yeah. Right. You you write, Max, Twitter now speaks to a fraction of its former global audience and the far right white nationalist voices it's amplifying are driving many of the holdouts off the site for good. That's bad news. I mean, you'd think they'd be able to look at the figures and see the increase in hate speech in the N word in anti-Semitic language. You'd think they'd crack down on it. It almost seems like they're running for office a la DeSantis and the cruelty is the point. Well, in, in a sense, they are. I mean, when Elon Musk went to Washington last week, he was meeting with with Jim Jordan. He's meeting with James Comer, with Kevin McCarthy and essentially telling uh, these people who now chair major committees that he would be happy to help out however he can in in this fantasy of investigating the the misuse of social media to censor conservatives. And he's buying himself time, but he doesn't need time. He needs money. And it's the the revenue that's not coming back is the challenge. And I mean, to your point, this is a guy who's fired so many people that he put his account on private earlier this week and then wondered why no one could see his tweets. I mean, he's fired everyone who actually knows how to operate the content policies on the site. And he's basically learning this thing from scratch. So I think even if he wanted to, there's no longer the global team there to manage the flood of content coming in. Max, I cannot wait to see your next piece on Twitter, and I hope Twitter is still around when it comes out. What is on your radar? What are you going to be focusing on for next week? I am uh, hopefully still going to be thinking about this balloon. I have balloon mania, as I mentioned, but I am uh, actually starting to look more into the presidential candidates that are emerging. We see Nikki Haley is set to make an announcement later this month. And we're starting to see the field form, and it is as nightmarish as we assumed. Oh, beautiful. Just beautiful. May they all be on stage with Trump, and may Trump reward them all for their loyalty with nothing but verbal abuse for the entire debate. That's what I'm here for. Max, it's a pleasure having you join us. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and subscribe to your Substack and keep up with all your doings? Yeah, you can find me at maxburns.substack.com and less so now on Twitter at uh, the Max Burns. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. Have a great, great weekend. It's great to hear from you. Quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available 
on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I'm John Fugelsag. This is Progress. Sean in California. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. Boy, do I love that last clip of uh, music there. You know, yes. uh, you know, when we you know, when we're getting ready for a, a, a Trump DeSantis ticket and and don't kid yourself, this could happen. Just to put in the back of your mind, you know, uh, and by the way, if it doesn't happen, of course, you know, Donald bin Laden, the baby, will will do his own party, which will also be really good theater for you <laughs> and also uh, probably good for the country that we split that whole vote up. Right but, on. but you guys are really too damn fucking hard on George Santos. I mean, oh, you he think? stormed the fucking, yes, he stormed the fucking beaches at Normandy. I know, I know. He was a part of the Ranger team that did Ruda Hawk. No, I know. And I look and I love DT. I, I think I can't believe he wrote it. Like there's so much he's done that's been good for our country. I agree. He got those hostages back that time. And I mean, you know, yeah, you know, the moon landing meant a lot to my parents. I, I owe a lot to George Santos. And do not kid yourself because he's going to be the next press secretary. <laughs> if Donald bin Laden and, uh, you know, does no. Satan get into office. No, he's done. He's done. <laughs> Listen, I don't know Wouldn't how he's going to I don't know how he's going to manage to finish out the term. But today, Derek Myers filed a police report uh, with the Congressional Ethics Committee uh, accusing yeah. him of sexual harassment during his very, very, very brief time working in the like he worked for him for two weeks and he's already filed sexual harassment charges. He went in for his first meeting and George was asking him if he's on Grinder. It's just it's gross. You can read it. It's just like oh, <laughs> I know. No, I know. Trust but me. Lin-Manuel, trust me. There, listen, the only person who's going to be fighting for him is Kevin McCarthy. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, brother. Have a great weekend. You have a great weekend as well. Kevin McCarthy's going to protect him like Jay Leno protects a band leader who laughs at his jokes. We got to take a quick break. This is Progress After Dark. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Series XM Progress. And weather this cold, when the atmospheric heights are so low that anyone who's 4,000 feet above sea level, like the top of Mount Washington, is in a completely different atmospheric layer in the stratosphere, we call weather this cold a Melania. And it's cold, brothers and sisters. Please, please, I hope you're indoors. Please, please, God, let all the people and animals be safe tonight. Record low temperatures have been recorded in the U.S. I will say that again. The wind chill on Mount Washington in New Hampshire, Mount Washington Observatory, is right now, as we broadcast to you live on Friday evening, the coldest spot on Earth and the coldest spot ever recorded in the history of the United States with an air temperature of minus 45 degrees and winds over 100 miles per hour. That adds up for an all-time record low of a negative 106 degrees, 106 degrees below zero wind chill. You're literally in a different atmospheric layer if you are on top of Mount Washington. And here in New York, it's so cold. It is so cold. It is so cold. How cold is it? It feels like God is punishing us for Donald Trump. That's how cold it is. Guys, it's so cold. I was walking my kid home from school. I saw a dead chalk body outline wearing a Snuggie. That's, that's how cold it is. That's cold, We're here baby. for you. Indeed, we are. Since uh, we're almost at the one-year mark of the invasion of Ukraine, we should mention that as of now, officially, almost 200,000 Russian troops have been killed or wounded, according to U.S. and other Western officials. On the 80th anniversary of a Soviet battle triumph in World War II, Putin vowed that Russia would be victorious in Ukraine. And apparently they've ordered the top military brass to make another attempt to seize Kiev For the one-year anniversary, they're going to keep on trying and have a massive new offensive, which apparently has sent military officers into a state of panic. Apparently, even the Russian troops who were ordered to take part in this assault believe it will fail miserably. Um, one source who spoke with uh, I, the independent news outlet iStories said, plans to go for Kiev again are really being drawn up, but only because the country's leadership is demanding it. No one believes in the realization of these plans. It will be suicide. Again, we just sent them the tanks, and Putin is sending any young man he can get his hands on into slaughter. For what? We want to know how you guys are doing. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Mark in Portland, how are you, sir? Well, I'm, I'm sweating. It's 50 degrees outside. I've just been kind of running around. But uh, Wow, 50. You going to be okay with that kind of wind chill? Do you, do you need anything? Can I, can I get you a dicky? <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, uh, you know, I was thinking about that Chinese balloon that was uh, traveling across the sky, and I thought, well, maybe, the, maybe what's really going on is that there were LEDs that were out on the on the on the balloon and it's supposed to be flashing eat at g's maybe that's maybe that's what it was supposed to be. <laughs> that could be it it could or, just be an elaborate advertisement for chinese cuisine I, or it could be like visit uh, visit trump tower beijing maybe that would be the other one i don't know a, a part of me wonders if this is just there to be an iq test for all of us for democrats for conservatives for the military i mean people keep saying shoot it down shoot it down <laughs> 
Never mind the fact that it could hurt people or property on the ground. To me, right. that's just inviting China to shoot down our drone satellites above their airspace. Everyone does this. The scary thing about it is that we're being told. It reminds me of SCTV. You know, let's blow it up real good. You know, what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or or just, if you ever saw Mr. Show, we're, we're going to blow up the moon. I mean, Biden was briefed <laughs> about it. He asked for military options. Apparently, Biden wanted to know if he should blow it out of the sky. He was advised not to by our military. So think about that when you see all of these right-wing trolls uh, attacking Biden for doing nothing about it. Roger Wicker. From Massachusetts, he, the top Republican on the Senate Armed Services Committee, he said the Pentagon failed to act with urgency and it should be dealt with. A, Marjorie Taylor Greene just tweeted, shoot it down. I mean, it's, they're it's so incredible. stupid. They're so you gotta stupid. You got to wonder, you know, the, the, the right at one time used to be a, a party that had some erudite, erudite uh, conservative comedy. I mean, William F. Buckley and Bill Sapphire, they must yes. be rolling in their grave. I mean, you know, yeah, but, but you know what, though? Those erudite Republicans... <laughs> Those new republic sages, they built this. They created oh, this. Yeah, they cultivated yeah, yeah. the low information voting. They they thought they could be above the fray. By, by, by the way, William, I mean, every bit of racist, I mean, complete racist, hated Dr. King. Anyone can go back and Google how National Review used to describe oh, yeah. Dr. King during his life in activism and ministry. They've always been racist. But yeah, you're right. They've been Ivy League racist. They've been civilized. Now they're realizing with Fox News what they did for power and how they've dumbed down their party and their message. And believe me, man, when when the Tea Party, when the Trumpers, when the MAGAs are done eating the liberals and the unions and the educated people and the gays and the minorities and the immigrants, educated Republicans will be next. They will be food for these people. Well, it's idiocracy. It's, it's totally idiocracy part... 2.0 or something. I mean, that's yeah. where we're at. I, just, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. And again, it, it's very, very scary. But there's the Republicans who left and denounced it, and they are few, but we appreciate them. There's the Republicans who are staying and hoping they can change it. Good luck. And then there's the ones who are just pretending they're above it all, and they belong to a party that you know, doesn't exist anymore and really never did exist. You know, Sean mentioned before about uh, the primaries and maybe uh, Trump and DeSantis. I don't see that as a ticket at all. You? Not, yeah. I mean, it, it, well, I don't know. I mean, I will say uh, Trump is a lot stronger with DeSantis as a running mate, but I think DeSantis has blown it. I think he's already gone way too racist to please uh, what he thinks right wing voters want. And it is not in line with the values of this country. And Trump would he's never gone too be far. a VP. Right. Trump would oh, never no. be a VP. <laughs> no, I don't think he would. No, no. that'd be a disaster. Yeah. What, what president would want Donald Trump on his payroll? <laughs> right. Who would want Donald exactly. Trump <laughs> On your team. Yeah, it wouldn't work. No, I mean, we may. I think it's while it is possible that Donald Trump could talk DeSantis into being his running mate. I think it's equally possible that Donald Trump just sets the house on fire and runs third party. I bet, you know, that would be really interesting. I would love to see that. I mean, that would be spectacular. I don't know if he would, though, because I don't think Putin would want it. But we'll see. All right. Thank thank you you so much, Mark. Thank you. You know, people are, are flipping out about this this balloon thing in the sky um i want to play you brigadier general pat Ryder. i refuse to believe that's his actual name pat brigadier general Ryder. brief the white house press corps the dystopian calamity du jour the chinese spy balloon drifting above the u.s at sixty thousand feet uh this is a surveillance balloon uh hovering you know operating at about sixty thousand feet um Clearly, you know, we did a a very close assessment in terms of uh, what it's doing. 
and as I mentioned, uh, military commanders have assessed that there is no physical or military threat to people on the ground. Um, and so uh, in that regard, we'll continue to monitor. Uh, in terms of way ahead, we will continue to review options, but I'm not going to have anything further to provide on that. So reporters asked General Ryder about the maneuverability of the balloon. How do you move that balloon, Ryder, which moved from Montana southwest towards St. Louis? General, you said the uh, balloon is maneuverable. Uh, so d- does that mean that it's not drifting? Uh, so the balloon is maneuverable. Um, clearly, it's, in, it's violated U.S. airspace. Uh, and again, we've communicated that fact to the PRC. Uh, if possible, can you tell us if the balloon, when it enters the, entered the U.S. airspace, has it changed its course in any way? The balloon has changed its course, uh, which is, again, why we're monitoring it. Uh, but that's about as specific as I can get. Donald Trump came out and just said that this proves Chinese balloon operators aren't good drivers. Finally, reporters wanted to know, hey, why, why, why didn't you just shoot this horrific specter of doom out of the sky? Uh, you said that this is uh, violating our airspace. So why not take it down? Yeah. So, uh, you know, clearly, <laughs> as we assess options, um, and considering the, the size of the payload on this, uh, looking at the potential for debris uh, and the impact on civilians on the ground or property damage, again, uh, running through the, the various factors and looking at uh, in terms of does it pose a potential risk uh, to people while in the air? And right now, as I mentioned, we, we assess that it does not pose a risk to people on the ground as it currently is traversing the continental United States. And so out of an abundance of caution, uh, cognizant of the potential impact to civilians on the ground uh, from a debris field, uh, right now we're going to continue to monitor and review options. And if I may, you mentioned that we've seen this kind of activity before. So why are we sharing this one and, and why last night, if you were following it for a few days. Is this some sort of sign uh, that we should take from China ahead of Blinken's visit or from the activity that we had in the Philippines? Uh, yeah, so in terms of any uh, you know, hypotheticals about messaging from PRC, I, I'd refer you to them on that front. Again, I think what makes this difference, different is uh, the duration and the length of, of which it has been over uh, U.S. territory. But beyond that, I'm not going to be able to go into any more specifics. Let's go to your calls. Mitch in Kent State. Hello, sir. Welcome. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Uh, three things, John. First of all, I, I know you mentioned that uh, uh, soon you may be having uh, Dr. King on, uh, Dr. Bernice King on your show. I'm looking forward to that because we're working I'm just on it. So, just, love, just so impressed and, uh, and taken in uh, by uh, her, uh, you know, just insightfulness and her, her caring and, and just, you know, how she continues to to uh, speak through her father's uh, spirit. and uh, Yes, I agree. And uh, it just, it, you know what, it's something that uh, everyone should have be a part of. And, and uh, I know race can be uncomfortable for a lot of people, race talk, you know, but you know what, we need it. You should be uncomfortable. We need the exactly. conversation. And, uh, you know, it just, uh, it's just something I think everyone should experience because I think... I uh, hopefully, we come out a better a better person for it. And uh, thank, I think th- so. thank you, uh, Dr. King. And uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be hearing her again soon. Uh, John, yeah, she's a beautiful speaker. I'll 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 uh, I'll tell her that when uh, when she comes on. Thank you, Mitch. Yeah, thank you, John. Uh, number two, John. Uh, growing up Catholic, 
Uh, yes, yeah, I still grapple with a lot of things there. Uh, what do you grapple with? You're like a nice guy. You got it all together. Well, You're actually just yeah, kind to people. That's really all it is. I, I wish, John. I wish. Uh, but, you know, I, I was thinking, you know, the sermon a couple weeks ago, they were talking about the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. I, you know, except for the part where uh, blessed is the clean of heart, eh, about that one. But uh, the other ones... What's wrong with that? I mean, well, who is clean of heart? I mean, how many could actually vouch being clean of heart? I mean, you know, we all... You know, you know, we all have sin, right? Yeah, uh, but I mean, but 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 when but when there's times when you feel like you have clean of heart, right? There's times when you feel like your heart's in a good place and that you're clean, that you're in a you know, that you're grounded in a place of morality and grace and love, right? Right. Yeah, I guess. I mean, but so that's you know, blessed. I, it's not. You know, it's not well, saying. It's not saying fuck you, sinners. The Bible covered yeah. that with Jesus. Right. Right. But I mean, as far as uh, uh, speaking to us. Uh, uh, I think speaking to us, I think that, that, that will sp- those speak to me more than the commandments. Let's put it that I agree. Way. I think uh, I, me too. Uh, me too. Yeah, but just um, you know, I just I mean, o- only I mean, when you get right down to it, only two of the uh, Ten Commandments are actually illegal in the United States. <laughs> they keep wanting to post them up in the courtrooms, but only two of them are against thou shalt not kill and thou right. shalt not steal. Everything else is up for grabs. Graven images, you have that right here in this country. You know, but but you notice they're, they're, it's the right wingers who always want to put up the Ten Commandments. They right. never want to put up the Sermon on the Mount. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I say it, uh, it. As far as you know, having a, a moral compass, I think I'm not. I'm not saying you have to be religious or or uh, you know uh, you know have some kind of connection with, uh, with 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 God or anything else. But just to listen to those to those uh, to those uh, all those blessings, I think they have. Uh, can relate to almost everyone. You know, they, they yeah. relate to almost everyone. To, to you know, not to you know, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be. You know, be. Uh, you know, just 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 have a, a, a sample of that. You yeah. know, would go a long way if we uh, have just a sample of each of them. Mitch, do you have Apple TV? Do you have the uh, Apple TV. My kids do. I think my kids do, yeah. I, re- I want to recommend a film to you that's on Apple TV, and it's up for an Academy Award for Best uh, Animated Short called uh, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse. And they, they premiered it right before Christmas, and it's nominated for Best Animated Short for this year's Oscars. And uh, it's a very, very beautiful film about, well, love and everything you're talking about, everything religions claim to be about. I recommend it very highly. Okay, we'll do, John. Thank you. Thank you. All the right. Boy, the Mole... Uh- his wife and her lover, something like that. I think it's that. No, the boy, the mole, the cook, the thief, the cook, the thief, the dog, and the no. It's it's the person, woman, man, TV. Ca- no, it's it's. So if I could recommend another great animated feature that will help you understand a lot of this as well, Mitch. Um, yeah. It's called Fritz the Cat. Fritz the Cat is exactly the other one. It's more I holistic. That one, yeah. I thought you were going to say me and my or uh, or the point. <laughs> Well, I just like to say there's a film called Kung Fu Panda 2, and if you're looking for something in terms of spirituality, I do, you know. That's right. Yeah, by the way, the point is... Norm of the North, really, is what I'm I'm trying to think of for an animated feature. (laughs) But yeah, the point came out today, 1969 or 70. Uh, John, uh, being uh, the day the music died... uh, Yes. uh, Maybe you give me your... Maybe you and Chris also give me your favorite uh, Buddy Holly covers, but I got three, if I may. Okay. Okay. Well, all right. By Blind Faith. I mean, Very nice. That song, you know, I had no idea. I never heard the song before, to tell you the truth. But I got the Blind Faith album, and what a catchy tune. Here's Buddy Holly, and I had no idea. I had mm-hmm. no idea it was a Buddy Holly song, but what a great cover. Of course, nice. uh, uh, Linda Ronstadt's It's So Easy. 
Um, okay, that's right. That's a very huge, big hit, big hit cover. Oh, yeah. What else? And then uh, James Taylor did Every Day. Uh, James Taylor did oh, Every yeah, Day. Oh, yeah, I've heard uh, that before. Uh, nice verse. Uh, but, uh, very yeah, nice. Any favorite covers of Buddy Holly for you? Favorite or, covers or, of Buddy Holly. I mean... Yeah, but it's a live thing that was never released. Um, way back in, I think, 2000, I went down to Anaheim to see Bob Dylan play the Sun Theater. He did two shows in one night, and I went to both. Mm. And um, he uh, premiered, for the first time ever, played um, uh, Things Have Changed, which went on to win the Oscar. And mm -hmm. he, out of nowhere, did a cover of Buddy Holly's Not Fade Away, oh, which... I had heard Patti Smith do live, and, uh, but this version, you can hear it on YouTube. Just Google Bob Dylan, Not Fade Away, 2000. It is just peak. It, it's, it's Bob. It's between 80s Bob and 90s Bob and modern yeah. Bob, and it is just great. The band sounds fantastic, and he just screams it through his nose. It's a wow. very, interesting, very interesting performance. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, I never, never heard that one. Wow. And I love all of John Lennon's covers of, uh, you know, yeah. Ray Vaughan and uh, right. Maybe Baby. If you listen to those John Lennon bootlegs they eventually put out, and he's right. doing Peggy Sue Got Married, all great stuff. <laughs> I'd say uh, probably my favorite would be Weezer. Oh, yeah. Not actually a cover, Chris. Well, that's okay. Buddy Holly by Weezer. Yeah, that's a it's an homage. <laughs> Not actually a cover. No. At least you tried, Chris. You participated, and you get a trophy. <laughs> no, liberals, oh, I would say we're honestly, liberals. We'll give you a trophy for trying. All right, <laughs> fine. Honest answer: Grateful Dead's version of "Not Fade Away" always is a good addition mm, to their set. Great, and the Rolling Cornelson. Stones version of "Not Fade Away" is right. also great. Right. I think that was their first uh, single. If I'm mistaken, it was Stones' first single. You know what else is really good? Um, uh, Cat Power did Crying, Waiting, Hoping years oh. ago. Beautiful version of that. And the Beatles did Words of Love, didn't they? The Beatles did exactly. that. On one yeah. Of, yeah, right. You're right, John. You're right. Yeah. yeah. A lot but, of good uh, you know, it, it, it was, you know, I've watched a film a million times, but, you know, they always say, uh, you know, but there was a rebirth. After that happened, you know, Rockwell did go into slump. It really did. I mean, you know, Rockton? Elvis was in the Army, you know, yeah. and uh, it was... You had, uh, yeah, you had you know, Trey Lopez Pat, and things like that, but the, the yeah. music did kind of Pat uh, Boone. You know, rock and roll did kind of fade. But uh, uh, but there was a you know, of course there only was... because the music charts were segregated. Yep. Well, they also yep. they they put Chuck Berry in jail. They drove Le yeah. Richard out of the business, and they right. gave Pat Boone a lot of hits. So you're <laughs> right. The, the Beatles really helped bring it back and uh, and change it. And the Beatles still make music better. <laughs> 